Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Kander. And I'm Robbie Gupta. And this is Majority 54, the podcast that helps Americans who voted for progress convince those who didn't to join our majority. Ravi, before we get to the like serious, actual, important news of the week, I want to talk about what Tom Brady said at the White House, uh, because you brought it up before we started recording, and I, I realized I think I might have a, like a contrary opinion on this. For those who don't know, the Buccaneers, sadly, I mean, because they were against my chief, sadly did win the Super Bowl, and so they got to do the White House visit, and Tom Brady was speaking you know, alongside President Biden, and he made a joke. These guys are an amazing group of men. Um, it didn't look great there at one point. We were seven and five, struggling a little bit. Um, as the president alluded to, um, but we found our rhythm. We got on a roll. Not a lot of people, uh, you know, think that we could have won. And um, in fact, I think about 40% of the people still don't think we won. I understand that. You understand that, Mr. President? I understand that. Yeah. Everybody is playing this as Brady is sort of making fun of Trump. And I don't know, man, like, I'm not so sure. And maybe this is just like my instinct of never trusting Tom Brady. But I feel like maybe he was poking fun at Biden and like giving a nod to the I mean, he is like friends with Trump. So I don't know. Am I being paranoid about this thing that doesn't matter? I mean, it's hard to say. I think Biden appreciated it. I think most of Twitter and just the world at large interpreted as a jab at Trump which I think is is more important than what he actually meant. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Probably. And I don't know what the status of his friendship with Trump is. I, I, I hear speculation that Giselle, his wife, is very anti-Trump. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that, may be, that may be what's driving this. Well, and he's a careful guy. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point, I don't know, two years or more ago, Tom Brady went, this may not be the, I remember when they interviewed him during the general in 2016 and he was like, I don't know, I'll vote on super Tuesday or whatever it is. And they were like, that's not the term for the election. So I don't think he's the most political guy anyway. Uh, right. All right. Anyway. Yeah. That, that has been our Tom Brady check-in. Uh, thanks very <laughs> much. All right. Now for the news of the week, Ravi, what's going on? Well, the big news this week is that the Delta variant of COVID is continuing to spread throughout this country. Uh, in the past 14 days, cases of COVID have gone up 195% and deaths have gone up 42%. And the Delta variant is accounting for 83% of U.S. cases now. Uh, the CDC director said that we are in the middle of a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Just as a review for our audience, the Delta variant is, a, from what we could tell, about 50% more transmissible. Dr. Fauci has said that uh, over 99% of deaths in the country 
recent deaths uh, from COVID have, have come from people who are unvaccinated. And in the states that have the highest spread and the highest rates of uh, hospitalization right now, which is Nevada, Missouri, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, these are states with some of the lowest vaccination rates, uh, Florida being the exception there, which is Florida is just almost average, but the rest of them have uh, some of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. Ed Young and The Atlantic had a great article last week that actually focuses focused on Missouri, where, where a lot of our listeners come from, where you live, Jason. It's a, it's a harrowing article. It's really difficult to read, but I, there was one anecdote from the article that I can't get out of my mind. It was, uh, he was interviewing healthcare workers who were just going from the point where they were inspired to show up to work to every day to where they're frustrated now because a lot of the people that they're treating are being treated for preventable illnesses and deaths. And a lot of the people are extremely rude who come through the doors of these emergency rooms and, and hospitals. And there was one story about a woman, a healthcare worker, who said that when she had given somebody their COVID diagnosis, that person spit in her face. And I just can't get that out of my head. So I know that people talk about vaccinations as a personal choice, but at what point does it become more than a personal choice, Jason? How do we talk about this? Yeah, it's not a personal choice, you know, unless your doctor is telling you, hey, you know, this could be a risk for you, which, by the way, is a super limited number of people. Yeah, I get like technically it's a personal choice, but there's a point at which, you know, your liberty ends and someone else's liberty begins. The thing that, and look, I'm not a scientist, but the thing that hardly anybody has talked about in this is as we go from one variant to another, which is what will happen if not enough people get vaccinated, we've already, you know, we're already on the Delta variant. We have just completely taken for granted how incredibly fortunate we are that this disease, that this virus has a very limited effect on very young people right? Like the fact that kids under whatever it is, 10 or whatever, tend not to die from this. We've just taken for granted that that's some sort of permanent coronavirus reality when it it isn't necessarily the case. And so, yeah, I think it is reasonable. It's beyond reasonable. It is uh, inevitable that healthcare workers would go from, hey, I'm inspired to go take care of these people because it's no fault of their own to now I've got to stop, step in and try and protect these people who chose not to protect themselves and also chose not to do anything to protect anybody around them to make it less likely that they'll spread the virus or anything else. So yeah, it is really upsetting. And it is a failure of leadership by all the people who are trying to undermine the president's efforts to get people vaccinated. Yeah, and obviously a big part of the story is the role that um, right-wing media and right-wing leaders have played here. And Trump on Sunday, uh, you know, waded right into the middle of this, saying that people are refusing to take the vaccine because they don't trust this administration, they don't trust election results, and they certainly don't trust the fake news. You know, Trump got the vaccine uh, and was touting it when he was president, when he thought he could take credit for it. And we have this situation now where one party and its media have convinced a sizable amount of people not to take life-saving medicine. And if they have the power to do that, basically, you know, this is the ultimate, I've talked about like the ultimate, what's the matter with Kansas situation, you know, what's the matter with Kansas thesis with that? How does the Republican party get people to vote against their economic interests? Now we're at the point where, how is it the Republican party get, and, and its media apparatus are convincing people to actually make decisions that may cost them their lives. Uh, and if they could do that, could they pretty much convince that group of people of anything? 
So on the one hand, I agree that that's the question, but it, to me, it's a little bit different because it's like, they're not convincing people not to do something that'll save their life. Like they're not like saying, Hey, out of some sort of show of loyalty, some sort of crazy blood oath, you know, take this risk. They're just lying to people and telling them that it, it won't save their life and that, you know, they don't need it or that it might hurt them. Right. So that's that's what I think is so disgusting about it. And and, you know, Trump, who, like the rest of these fools, is vaccinated and, like you said, was for it when he was president, and could get credit and now is actively working to undermine it. I mean, it doesn't need to be said, but what a piece of garbage. Like, I mean, just can you imagine just like for a moment? And, and I think you could say this, you know, when it comes up with people like imagine having the ability as a single individual to open your mouth and literally save lives just by saying some nice things about the vaccine and choosing not to do it because it might gain you some tiny little political advantage in three years. Like that is next level, just awfulness. And it just makes me sick. Now, as far as how to handle the issue with the right wing media, I keep going back to the same question of like, why have we as a society and why have we, you know, as rational people just accepted the idea that vaccine passports will never fly in America? Like, why, why have we just accepted this? Why are blue states not saying like, hey, we're going to start using vaccine passports because something has to be done to incentivize people to get vaccinated. And by the way, also, like you can't continue to have unvaccinated people just gather in large groups as if nothing's happening and expect not to have another variant, not to have an echo variant. It, it, it's an unreasonable expectation. There are some signs that parts of the right wing are starting to change their tune. So Representative Scalise, uh, who had been skeptical of the vaccine, uh, decided to get it. Sean Hannity uh, has now started to speak out in favor of the vaccine. And interestingly, in his statement about it, said, you know, as we've been saying all along, (laughs) which is the ultimate, like, I think you always say, um, you have an analogy to the Iraq war, you know, about yeah. Trump, right? What do you always say about it's that? just that in, in 10 years, Trump will be treated the way supporters of the Iraq war uh, treat the Iraq war, which is it's a thing that happened and you just can't find anybody that seemed to be in favor of it at the time. Right. That yeah. seems what this vaccine misinformation stuff is all yeah. about. And, and to be fair, there are people in the right wing who've been pretty consistent on this. I think Ben Shapiro uh, has been pro-vaccine all along. But he's, think- but he's been one of these shills that's like, you know, well, you got to get the vaccine and then like to cover his ass because he's just a politician who's like a, a, he's captive to his to his audience. So he he can't ever. And funders, whoever yeah, they are. And, yeah. and funders, right? Like it, it yeah. reminds me of uh, when, uh, what's her name? Tommy, Tommy Laren. When she, yeah. when, when it came out that she was pro-choice and she almost lost her job at the blaze and she was like, whoa, and she had to back off of it. You know, they're captive to their audience, whether they run for office or not. And so Shapiro Anytime he talks about well, you should get vaccinated, he then takes that and tries to lampoon any other action that's saying he's like, look, you should get vaccinated and vaccines are available. So it is ridiculous that there are uh, mask mandates for anybody anywhere. And these liberals are the worst. And, you know, and it's like, dude, right. you could just say get vaccinated. You don't have right. to actually put a caveat in there. Right. Yeah. And I just think it's funny, like the the work that the we've, as we've been saying all along does, like on the same day that Tucker Carlson continues to spread misinformation about the vaccine, like who is the we that you're talking about? Or the, yeah. you know, the same week that Trump is sowing misinformation about the vaccine. 
I do want to get into the question of like, why are some of these deniers, these public deniers and public like doubt stokers, why are they suddenly, you know, saying, okay, go get it. And I think it's like one of three things. And it's probably a piece of each of these. One, I do think that they're genuinely freaked out. Like, I think that, I mean, it, it's not unlike I don't know, what do we enjoy? It's not unlike a year ago or more when there were people on both sides, okay, no, seriously, wear a mask, right? Um, There was that for a while when they were like, oh my God, this is real bad. There's a piece there, I think, with some of them, with a guy like Scalise, I think. And then with some of the media personalities, I think it is a combination of like corporate pressure, like Fox being like, hey, there could be liability here for us uh, with the White House reaching out and and to the people, at, which, you know, props to the White House for the fact that they've apparently reached out and been like, seriously, can you can you throw us a bone? Can you please? They're not saying politically, can you help us? They're like, can you please get your people to say some more responsible stuff about? Vaccines? Yeah. And for listeners, just so in case it's not clear, Jason's referring to reports that the White House has been back channeling Fox News, which Fox News has not confirmed. Yeah, because it's like bad for Fox News yeah, politically. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. you know, and I, I suppose any any news network, it, you know, rightfully is not going to want people to know that like an administration is able to call them and ask them to to do anything editorially, even if it's like stop killing people. Um, and then, I, and I think part of that, uh, the corporate pressure is just advertisers. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, I mean, you got to assume that at some point guys like Hannity are going to be worried that advertisers are going to pull if they're anti-vaccine. And then finally, I think, and this this may be the biggest thing, it's affecting the stock market. The Delta variant is affecting the stock market. And that is what the folks on the right, that's what they respond to more than anything else. I mean, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. This might be serious. You know, Jason, every once in a while, I think of something from my childhood and I'm like, wow, my mom was awesome. And the other day I was just brushing my teeth and I was like, my mom spent a crazy amount of time driving me to the orthodontist and an insane amount of money. And it just made me think like, that's a sign of love. And what I really love about our sponsor Candid is that they have made the process so much easier for parents and for kids. Yeah. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. You can book an appointment at a Candid studio near you or do everything from the comfort and convenience of your own home. The average Candid treatment is just six months. (laughs) I had braces for so long. Six months. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) That's unbelievable. (laughs) You'll start seeing results way before then, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. And with your aligner treatment, you'll get Candid's teeth whitening for free. Right now, you could save $75 on your Candid starter kit when you get started from home. Or you could book an appointment at a Candid studio near you. Go to candidco.com slash majority54 and use the code majority54. That's candidco.com slash majority54, code majority54. And take advantage of the limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash majority54, code majority54. So not long ago, our sponsor Helix reached out to us and was like, hey, they told us about Allform, which is the furniture that Helix makes for the rest of your house. And at that moment, we happen to have in our house like this little spot off the kitchen where we've been saying for a long time, like, we need a couch there. And we went on the website, we picked out a a nice couch, and now it's there and it's like... 
everybody is is chilling on this couch all the time. So what makes all form sofas really cool? For starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You could pick your fabric, and I did that. I got my fabric to match other chairs that I have in my apartment. Uh, and they've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, uh, which would not fit in my apartment. Um, but life goals, maybe I'll get there one day. So there's something for everyone, and you could always start small and buy more seats later on. All form sofas are also delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping. Can vouch for that. So if getting a sofa without trying it in the store sounds a little risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They even offer a forever warranty. Literally forever. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash majority54. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash majority54. Let's listen to a little clip from Senator Cassidy on this front, because this goes beyond what's motivating Republicans and more about like their political strategy on the messaging here. People are surprised when uh, citizens don't trust government, when you have partisan comments coming out of the White House regarding next Jim Crow laws. Are people like Senator Schumer in the White House not cooperating on a bipartisan bill? Oh, here we're going to be partisan, but over here, you better trust us. That just doesn't work. But I would also argue as a physician, you need to you need to go back to your health care workers. Uh, it shouldn't be the president advocating again. He's 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 depicting himself as uber partisan. Jason, what is Senator Cassidy doing here? He's like, hey, don't look over here. Let's talk about the thing that I actually want to talk about, which is like a pretty classic, like talking head move on cable. But like, let's take his analysis out to its logical conclusions, right? Like, let's say even if pushing for voting rights was partisan, it's not. It's just like American, right? But let's say that that were a partisan thing to do, like purely partisan. I'm trying to think of an issue, uh, universal health care. Let's say that you you replace you replace voting rights with with universal health care, uh, and it and it's a partisan thing. Wouldn't it still be? Biden's job to tell people to get vaccinated, right? Like, God forbid we want people to actually live and be allowed to vote, right? Like the the COVID response is is a Biden accomplishment, like no doubt about it. And the low vaccination numbers are a product of, of Republican sabotage. So those two things are a fact, right? But they still want to blame Biden for the vaccination numbers. So they have to blame Biden for their own sabotage. It is exactly like the move that they pulled on Obamacare, actually, speaking of healthcare, They sabotaged it at every possible turn so that it could never go into effect fully as it was envisioned. And then they just have run around ever since going, look, it doesn't work. When nobody ever actually saw what Obamacare would have been like because they wouldn't allow it to happen with all the little ways that they undermined it. Uh, but then they say, look, it doesn't work. So that's the same move. And and like they're responsible. They're responsible for putting into the culture all this stuff about vaccines. And they can't they can't have you say that. So they just say the fact that Biden wants you to vote makes him like literally his argument is the president of the United States is being irresponsible by asking people to do a thing that I agree they should do. Like that's his <laughs> argument. I know it's wild, man. I don't think this one's going to work. I really don't. I don't either. Yeah, I, 
it's not lost on people who's sowing this misinformation. And there's a very, very clear majority of Americans, especially if you look at swing states, you know, like a lot of the states I had mentioned before, you know, no offense to your home state, aren't viewed as swing states anymore. You look at most of these swing states, you know, you're talking about 60, 70% of people are sensible on vaccines. And so they see who's sowing that misinformation. And whereas maybe at the beginning of this pandemic, it was kind of 50-50 between kind of the extreme left, extreme right on vaccines, that is no longer the case anymore. I think I think Biden is going to beat this. Um, if you look at, there was other data that showed that if you take people who've had COVID and then the people who've been vaccinated, there's about a quarter of Americans who don't have any immunity at all. Uh, and that's complicated because that doesn't mean a like 75% have full immunity and and new data came out recently, I think today that said that maybe the J and J single shot is not effective enough against Delta. So those people may need a booster. But if you think about the challenge now of that 25%, you know, Biden could chip away at that and come out of this successful in the face of a completely disingenuous and cynical opposition, which will make it even more impressive. I mean, like not to keep beating this horse, but can you imagine what has to be going on inside you as a human being to get the vaccine, be protected, show up at Fox News in these places that like encourage you to be vaccinated and say like, you know, there's certain things you're not going to be able to do in the office if you're not. And then to, to go on television, to look into the camera with the red light on and be like, I don't know about this vaccine. Like, like that's sick. Like it, some of these people are just sick. Yeah. Well, speaking of sick people uh, in Arizona, the uh, Republican Party there uh, continues to push for this uh, fraudulent audit of the Arizona electoral results. And they are also rebuffing any efforts at transparency. So uh, there was a Freedom of Information Act request of the state to find out, you know, what kind of conversations are happening internally about this. And the GOP tried to fight that. Um, and then a judge said, you know, if there ever was a situation that required transparency, it would be this. Uh, and so it just looks like that saga continues. They're not going to find anything, but they continue to waste resources and time. And relatedly, Texas Democrats who had fled the state of Texas in order to prevent a bad voting rights bill there from going into effect have been in D.C. And they met with Joe Manchin and he made a, a statement after that meeting that I don't really know what quite to make of it. He said, we make one piece of legislation that protects voting rights, the procedures of voting, democracy, the guardrails on democracy. That's all. And there shouldn't be a Republican or Democrat who should oppose it. You know, meaning like these Texas Democrats have been pushing Manchin to do voting rights. Manchin's basically saying, all right. I'm now even going to continue negotiating with myself. And he just named a, a bunch of things that are is a much more pared down version of his own bill that he had recently talked about. If you remember, listeners, he had announced this this legislation that that Stacey Abrams signed on to that included things like gerrymandering um, reform, et cetera. He's now negotiating with himself publicly. And he says there shouldn't be a Democrat or Republican who oppose it, which is, yeah, like there shouldn't, of course, but there will be. Tons of Republicans who oppose that. What should we make of this? Well, I'm worried because I'm like, is he saying what we would agree with, which is there shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Like, when we know that there will be, but there shouldn't be. Or is he like going to craft something that is so feckless 
that there really isn't anyone who opposes it. You know, like, so I don't know what to think. I mean, is there continues to be room for hope here just because, you know, he's taking meetings like this. And right. again, like, because we have elections coming up next year and because we don't have a choice. Like, it's, yeah. it's the analogy I always use, which is, you know, th- asking, is this going to be successful? What are its chances? Is like walking up on a drowning man and shouting, think you'll make it to the surface like <laughs> that like that person doesn't have time or energy to evaluate their chances like they're just trying to get to the surface because they have no choice that's us and that's our democracy right now yeah yeah i've been that drowning man recently um <laughs> I, I hear you For everyone listening, it sounds as if Ravi and I are just Athletic Greens evangelists on this pod. But, you know, anybody who's listening to this who knows either of us personally will vouch for the fact that, like, we're just like this all the time. In the last couple of weeks, I have given travel packs to, like, my in-laws, to my friends Sam and Julie. Like, I'm an evangelist all the time for uh, Athletic Greens. Jason, what I love about it is just how easy it is. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. Right now, Athletic Greens is offering our audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit our link today. So simply visit athleticgreens.com majority and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. So visit athleticgreens.com majority and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. As people know, and as we've been doing this uh, sort of fitness challenge that Ravi leads as a group, my wife, me, everybody, one of the items in it uh, is you're incentivized to meditate and you get points for it. And I'll be honest, the challenge ended a week ago, and because I'm not getting points, I didn't meditate. And I I, I noticed an enormous difference. Uh, and so I'm, I'm resolved to crack headspace back open again uh, and, and dive right back into it because it makes a huge difference for me. I don't think I would be able to meditate without headspace. Like, they really walk you through the process and make it super enjoyable and tangible and help you make a little bit of progress every single day. And so what is Headspace? It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind down sessions. Their members swear by, I'm one of those members. I, I use it all the time and they have a few different ones. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com m54. That's headspace.com m54 for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com m54 today. In this week in misinformation, Jason, let's talk about uh, the Biden administration's fight with Facebook. Uh, As background listeners, you may have been following some of this back and forth, but Biden uh, and members of his administration like Jen Psaki and the Surgeon General called out Facebook 
because they the administration claims that Facebook isn't doing enough to stop the spread of vaccine misinformation on its platform. And the president went so far as to say that Facebook was killing people by allowing the spread of misinformation on its platform. And then uh, Biden walked that back. Jason, uh, what's going on here and who's right? Yeah, I mean, what's the thing that Biden always says about his gaffes? He says, the, it's, it, the problem isn't that I don't say what I mean, but it's that I say all that I mean or something like that. Like, <laughs> I can't remember how he says it, but like, yeah, I mean, like, look, Facebook is killing people. He's not wrong. I, I get that he walked it back. I understand why he would walk it back, because if you want to be able to work with Facebook and get them to improve, you probably can't be in a shouting match with them. But it's frustrating because on the one hand, I want to say, like, we can't just be frustrated with Facebook. We can't just be frustrated with social media because we have to work on the things we can control. But we also sort of live in a day and age where Facebook, Google, all of these, you know, huge corporations, there is a certain amount of, because of our consumer behavior, they're not, and this is like kind of messed up, but it's the reality. They're not completely unlike elected officials. Like they can be lobbied and they can be pressured and they will bow to pressure. Like they're, they're like, you know, they're, I mean, to use a sports analogy, like if you're like the general manager of a sports franchise um, and the owner is not too sure about you, that means like the fans have a lot of say in whether you stick around. And like, that's the world Facebook exists in, right? Like, like they are super powerful and can do what they want, but they do have to answer to a consumer, uh, a consumer base that could choose to not use them for certain things. So I, I think it's worthwhile to pressure them. Right. And if you look at their response, it was very petulant. They basically were saying, this isn't, it's not our fault that you didn't hit 70%, uh, which like, like, honestly, if you think of like a, you know, there's this book called Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willink. It's a really good book uh, that we used to read it when I was running schools. I used to have the principals of all of our schools read it. And basically the point of that was, uh, and he's a military man like yourself. I think he was a Navy SEAL. And he was basically like, whatever happened, if you're, if it's under my command, whatever happens on our mission, it is my responsibility. And if things go wrong, it is my fault. Uh, and Facebook takes the opposite approach, which is like this, what? Like, this isn't on us. This is just users of our platform. In credit to Twitter, their response to this was much different. They, they basically quote tweeted the Surgeon General and said, yes, need to do more. We need to continue to, to fight this, yada, yada, yada. And all available evidence is that Facebook does have a problem with this. Um, there's a newsletter I follow called For What It's Worth, which I think was from the folks who used to run an organization called Acronym. And they ranked the top 10 Facebook posts that mentioned vaccines and something like six or seven or 10 of those posts were uh, anti-vaccine. Uh, Media Matters uh, did an analysis showing that there are 200 plus super active big Facebook groups that are promoting vaccine misinformation. Uh, and there was a really good article by Kevin Roos uh, in the New York Times uh, on July 14th that showed that Facebook is actually having internal discussions where it seems like they're about to even pull back our ability to see this data anymore, to see data about what are the, the most highly ranked posts in terms of engagement because it's so embarrassing to them. Um, I think my sense is like, I continue to believe that Facebook is is the most, if not one of the most uh, destructive companies in the world. Uh, and I treat it almost differently than I do other tech companies that I'm skeptical of. I think it is so destructive. I think the 
the, the leadership of it is, is so out to lunch uh, and, and so focused on their bottom line. And um, I don't know if it's a, a defensiveness or a profit motive or what, but this company continues to behave in the public square in ways that show that it is not worthy of the power that it has. And, and, I, and I just wonder what our role is to, to hold it accountable. I mean, imagine that like you found a dragon, right? And you had a dragon in your garage and you were feeding the dragon and you were like putting all sorts of growth hormone in the dragon. It was getting bigger and people started coming around. They're like, I want to see this big old dragon. And then at some point you realize- Have you and Diana been shrooming this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm, right now. I just am. No, but uh, you know, you're doing this. And then like at some point, like there's a bunch of kids that are gathered to see the dragon. And that tragically is when you find out that the dragon actually breathes fire. It's that kind of dragon. And then people are like, hey man, it's cool that you made a dragon and like it's neat that people come to our neighborhood to see the dragon. But like we're going to need you to keep the dragon in the garage and we're going to need you to find a way to not have the dragon breathe fire. And you're like, hey, I can't control this dragon. This dragon is not my it's a dragon. It's not my responsibility. And and right. people are like, but wait a minute. Before this, we didn't even think dragons existed. And you create you. You made a dragon and then you made the dragon huge. And now you're telling me that you have no control over the dragon, that doesn't seem likely. And they're like, yeah, no. In fact, not only do we not have any control, it is your responsibility to make sure this dragon doesn't uh, burn people alive. Like, that's what's going on. That's crazy. Like, we can expect a lot from Facebook. They created Facebook. They probably can figure out how to keep Facebook from killing people. Well, I'll I'll take the analogy even further. Like, let's say the dragon gets out before it's breathing fire, and it's it's just an awesome dragon. It's like giving people rides all over the place. It's walking old ladies home uh, in the dark late at night. Then you know, you and Diana are like, yeah, we created that that dragon. We we should we're responsible for this. Like, praise us, pay us. Yeah, pay us. And then the dragon starts breathing fire and killing a bunch of people. And you're like, whoa, I'm not responsible for what this dragon does. That's what Facebook did. Because when still pay us. Yeah, but still pay us. (laughs) Because like when there was like, you know, protests in Iran back in, in, you know, in the, the, the aughts or whatever, uh, whatever we call those years. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like tyrannies were falling throughout the Middle East uh, and that people were using social media to organize. Facebook was tripping over itself to take credit for all of that. But the minute that its tools are used for 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 bad things, they don't have any responsibility for that, right? Not not only do they not have responsibility, they plead inability. They're like, uh, what, what do you expect us to do? This, right. this thing's out of control. It's a dragon, for God's sake. Like, right. But it's your but, dragon. <laughs> yeah, they play this game where they just overwhelm you with numbers, right? And they'll yeah. be like, we did, we took down this many posts and we did X, Y, and Z. Um, but they don't put it in context. And and as, as Kevin Roos reported in the New York Times, they are actively moving to give take away uh, our ability to even give context to those numbers. So if they say we took down X number of posts, we don't we're going to soon not have the ability to even compare that to anything else. You know, think, think about how crazy it is that when you put an ad on TV, you have to say if it's a, if it's a federal candidate or, you know, if it's an ad about pushing somebody to vote a certain way, you, there are words that the government now says you must say, approve this message, paid for this message. But Facebook has no responsibility whatsoever for like if stuff gets put up that's like, hey, you know, if you eat bleach, you know, only your worst enemy will get COVID or whatever the hell right. this stuff says. Like that that is an 
enormous uh unbalance and that is an, that is an imbalance Imba- unbalance i don't know i don't know what the yeah. word is but it's bad yeah yeah why do we have a language where in and on mean the same thing but a, but they don't always apply to the same words it's upsetting um, yeah that's that's more upsetting than anything else <laughs> Aren't we relatable, Corey? Jason, what do you got for us? Well, I was just going to celebrate the fact that um, my team, captained by my wife, Diana, won the Ravi Fitness Challenge. Uh, yes. And to give people some She's background. She's a superstar. Yeah. I mean, there were there were three teams. Um, and a shout out to to Will and Ryan, who were our, our teammates. But really, like, I think all three of us, Will, Ryan, and myself, would agree that Diana carried the team. In fact, I think you pointed out in your breakdown that she had more points than the third place team. Yeah. Uh, and it says a lot about her and the third place team. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. It does. But I mean, like, it's funny because when this thing started, Diana was like, you know, she, I mean, Bella was just born nine months ago. So Diana was like, I, I don't know if I can keep up with it. Cause I had done it, you know, last year. And so she saw that and she was like, I don't know that I can keep up with this. And then we had our first like Zoom call as a team and we're like, yeah, you're the captain. And she's like, and then you were like, there will be a small trophy for the winner. And Diana was like, well, yeah. that's all I need to thinking hear. about. It. I've been thinking about that, by the way. Yeah. What am I, how, how am I going to deliver on that trophy? My super uh, competitive kinda... wife was like, well, then I guess we will win. And, yeah. uh, and that's what happened. So pretty cool. Yeah. I, first of all, shout out to her. She, she delivered your team and, and won the individual prize as well. Uh, but, you know, for listeners, basically this was our way of saying we've now done it three times now. And it's actually how you and I kind of became even closer mm-hmm. uh, and start, and kind of the genesis of this podcast is that we we do this group and we track a whole bunch of things. We talked and we've talked about it a few times in this podcast. And the key is not the competition necessarily, but just the awareness of all these things in your life. How much alcohol am I drinking? What am I eating? Am I working out? And it's, it's less bro than it probably comes across in the podcast. Yeah. Cause like uh, we have like meditation and stuff in there. Like, yeah, it's totally yeah. screen time. Uh, and so we'll probably redo it. And I thought it was great. Like, and I thought it was great just to see her do it. Cause this is her first time uh, getting involved. Uh, and she really is just, she's, tenacious like I, it was it was inspiring to see how how committed she was well and she's um, so competitive that when you and were here in kansas city she was trying to feed you unhealthy food like <laughs> yeah she both was trying to feed me unhealthy food unsuccessfully uh yeah, and yeah. but she was also like mad at me that i didn't praise her so when i saw her she was like wait she's like don't you have something to say to me and honestly like I, I was confused for a second because she's so kind of stoic most of the time. Yeah, she's very dry. It took me a second. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a quick update on mine. Is uh, I? It's coming upon the tenth anniversary of the first school I ever started, uh-huh. uh, and that anniversary is coming in a few weeks. And I got a couple of things planned around just like you know reminding people of that and, and who were involved in it. But recently, I've started every day sending a message to one person uh, each day who is like integral to that process and one thing i realized was you know i started the first school when i was 28 you know i'm 38 now that was 10 years ago and i realized like how much of a shit i was back then 10 years ago not not intentionally but i was just so 
unaware of how nice certain people were to me back then and and why I had no reason to be I was more like like oh you're on my board you're on this board great because that's this mission really matters and so like I'm not going to really go out of my way to thank you because obviously kids need a great education and I look back over my communication I'm like I was a lunatic like <laughs> it wasn't like I was personally selfish I was just like this is an important mission if you're involved in it of course you are so I'm not going to stop and and thank you for all the time that you spent on this because it's obviously the thing you need to do. And so as I was going through all these messages, I was like, oh my God. So I've been writing these messages to people who are like, I was like, thank you for all these things. And I am really sorry for being such a dick 10 years ago. Uh, and people are writing back really funny messages. So um, that's it's, probably it's been quite, yeah. that's a good practice we probably all should do every 10 years. Because I bet yeah. you, I know I have plenty of people to be like, hey, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, it's a good it's a good feeling, honestly, because I've been I, I've been kind of holding it in, not real, not vaguely real, remembering that I wasn't great to certain people back then. But putting it make in a precise way and addressing it actually feels really good. Yeah, that's a good call. For grabbing or, you know, going back to our, our vaccine conversation, what I was going to tell the listeners is. Look, you have somebody in your life uh, who you either know is not vaccinated or you're not sure is vaccinated. Somebody you're close to uh, who, you know, maybe you don't know whether or not they're like an anti-vaxxer or you're like, maybe they're just not taking it seriously. So the grab and or is what we always talk about on this podcast is like, make it personal. Use those personal relationships to convince people of something like as we talk here. I am sending a text message to somebody close to me uh, in my life to ask them if they've been vaccinated yet. They are somebody who has communicated to me in the past that they are not anti-vaccine, that they keep meaning to do it and they just haven't done it. So I'm doing that right now. So everybody, when this, you know, stops in a moment, uh, when, you know, you get to the end of this pod, you should do that. You should get out your phone and you should text or call somebody you know who you're not sure whether they're vaccinated and ask them. Give them that social pressure that they need. All right. I'm at Jason Kander on Instagram and Twitter. Ravi is at Ravi M. Gupta on Twitter and Instagram. And our show is at Majority54 on Twitter. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and Edie Allard. Theme music provided by Kemet Coleman. And special thanks to Diana Kander. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.